Bread comes in many different varieties, but the only bread that nourishes our souls, hearts, and lives is Jesus Christ. Bread of Life is sponsored by the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. You can contact us by calling us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. Join us now for the Bread of Life. Here's Joel Van Hoogen. We have been discussing how it is that we bring glory to God, and we have decided that this act requires an intent on our part. We must intend to glorify Him. We've also decided that this glory comes when our intent is to enjoy Him. Really, we can't give God glory because God is all-glorious. He is lacking in nothing. We add nothing to Him by glorifying Him. Really, what we do is give back to Him what is already His. God is glorified not by getting something from us, but by giving something to us that we partake in. God gives us Himself and His goodness, and as we partake of that goodness, we glorify Him. But there's more, and we'll finish up our consideration today, sharing some from our broadcast yesterday before answering fully and practically the question, how do we give glory to God? God is not glorified by getting something from you. God is actually glorified by bringing something to you. You know what He brings to you? He brings to you Himself. And He's glorified when you receive Him. And when you receive what He brings to you. That's the idea. That's the thought. And actually, that that brings us to this third point. I want you to think of it this way. There's a face for us to look upon when we glorify God. And it's here, I think, that we're going to find an answer, the most practical answer to how I live to glorify God. You glorify God by reflecting back from your life the glory that you receive and discover when you look on Him. You glorify God by reflecting back from your life the honor and the blessing and the glory that you receive and you discover when you look on Him. You think about your life for a moment and just think of your life for a moment as if your life is a mirror, which it is. Your life is a mirror. And whatever you're facing and whatever you're looking at is what you're glorifying. Do you know what you do most of the times? You glorify the world because when you face and you look at the world and you calculate the world and you covet the world and you want to engage in the world, you are glorifying the world. You're reflecting upon it. You glorify yourself because when you think about yourself and your desires and your needs and what satisfies you, and what your wants are, and what your impulses are, and you live for your own satisfaction, you know what your life is? Your life is a blaring declaration of the glory of yourself. You're glorifying yourself. You glorify whatever you are facing. You glorify whatever you're looking at, because your life is a mirror reflecting what is around you. And if you're going to reflect the glory of God from your life like a mirror, if you're going to glorify Him, You're going to have to be facing God. So positively, you cannot glorify God if you're not facing Him. And by the way, if you're facing Him, you can't help but glorify God. We, in our scripture reading, read Psalm 26. I'd like you to take your Bibles and go back to Psalm 26. But David is going to sing a song, and it's the boast of a righteous man. 
And David is not only going to sing a song of God's glory, but really what David is going to do is say, my life is an expression of your glory. My life is giving glory to you. My very life is going to sing before you. And so in verse 1 of 26, in the boast of the righteous man, he says he walks his integrity. That is it. He's inwardly driven to do the right thing. He also says that... You see that? You see this is the boast of the righteous man. How is this boast possible? How is it that David got to himself in the position where he sees something like this? Something that ultimately is reflected perfectly and wonderfully in Jesus Christ alone, the son of David. How did David get to that point? Well, go back to verse 3. I think you'll find the secret again. He says there, For your loving kindness, for your steadfast love is before my eyes. Where is David facing? He's facing God. He's looking on God. He's fixing his eyes on all that God is. And so he finds, he discovers to his own great joy, to his own great boast, that he's walking in a way that glorifies God. He puts his own life down as a song of praise. And the only way he's able to do it is, my eyes are fixed on you. You can only glorify God by looking to God. Because it's only then that you can reflect Him in your life. And when you sin and when you give in to temptation, the sin is a failure to look at God. It's a failure to turn your eyes and place it upon Him. You see, obedience alone is not enough. It will not bring God glory unless it is obedience that rises out of a face that's turned towards Him because you want to enjoy Him. Some obey to outperform others. Some obey to bury some guilt. They have a strategy to cover up some past crime. They obey as a strategy to cover up the bloody deeds of their past, but the blood seeps through their own efforts to be good. And such obedience is not enough. And it does not glorify God. You have to turn your eyes to the Lord Jesus. You have to look intently at Him. You must look at Him and confess in all truth your own sins. You must look at Him and follow His steps and follow in His steps because you want to enjoy Him and you want Him to enjoy you. Next time that you find yourself speaking and singing about bringing glory to God, say it with your faces to God. Say it with your eyes upon Him. Stay there and you'll glorify Him thought about this in terms of how oftentimes we strategize for our own advantage, but when we seek to glorify God, what we want is His glory and His advantage and Him to be reflected above all else. To me, actually, one of the most telling expressions of a man who acted to glorify God, believe it or not, was Achan. If you remember in the story of Achan, Achan had gone with the nation of Israel to conquer Jericho when they first entered in the promised land. And the commandment was that they were not to take any of the possessions of it for themselves, but they were to take all those possessions that they took in the bounty of, of overcoming the city and they were to bring it and dedicate it to God alone. And the one who didn't do that, the command was the one who did not do that, if anyone did not do that, they would burn under God's judgment. They would be destroyed. Well, Achan stole something that he saw. Actually, go to Joshua chapter 7. I think you'll find it there. After 
Jericho has been defeated by the power of God. The people go on to a little city called Ai. They're full of excitement and enthusiasm for how God is before them, leading them in conquest and victory. They come with confidence against Ai. And the next thing they find, this little city sends their men out from the walls of their little city and chases the army and the warriors of Israel and defeats them. They go back and they're weeping and crying and thinking, look, if a little town like Ai can defeat us, we're going to be wiped out. We're going to be obliterated in this land. Joshua falls before God and begins to weep. And the Lord answers him in verse 10 and says, Get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They've transgressed against my covenant that I commanded them. They've taken some of the devoted things they have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things that are among you. Get up, consecrate the people and say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, there are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things that are among you. After this, the Lord tells him that the person who's done this thing has to burn, and that's been a part of it as well. Joshua will bring the people of Israel before him, and he brings the people of by, by tribe first, and he dismisses each tribe until the tribe of Judah comes before him. And then God says it's within the tribe of Judah that sin has taken place, and then a clan is brought before him of the Zerahites, and God says it's within the clan of Zerahite that this sin has taken place, and the clan of the Zerahites are brought before him man by men, and Finally, it comes to the household of a man by the name of Achan. Achan knows the penalty for his crime and his sin. He is going to be burned. He is going to be destroyed. And all that he stole is going to be destroyed with him. Joshua says to Achan this. Verse 19. My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him. And tell me now what you've done. And do not hide it from me. And Achan looks into the face of God. And in the face of God, he tells the truth. Truly, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I did. And he confesses it all. And God is glorified. And Achan is put to death. Achan wasn't acting to preserve himself. Achan wasn't acting to find a soft place to land. Achan wasn't acting to avoid trouble. Achan wasn't acting to somehow position him in a more favorable position from somebody else. Achan was bringing glory and praise to God. He told God the truth. He looked into God's face. And he saw a just and holy God who had directed and commanded him. And he confessed his sin. Even if that look into the face of God drives you to your knees in tears of remorse. Even if it should cause you the pain of inward searching under the power of his own holiness. Even then, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. How wrong and how sinful have our calculations been so much of the time to increase our favor, to position ourselves for blessing, to avoid suffering and pain, but not to glorify you, 
to seek our own and not your own. How often, O oh God, our eyes have turned from you, and you have been denied the glory, the glory for which you redeemed us and saved us. The very glory that we found the possibility of giving to you in the moment, in the moment you saved us, and how did you do that? You gave us faith to look upon you, to look upon your holiness and see our sin, and look upon your holy Son suffering for our sin and receive his salvation. And you were in that moment glorified. And you have said to us, stay in that place and keep your gaze fixed here and you shall glorify me all the more for all that I've given to you. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Glory, glory, glory. May that be our intent. May that be, by your grace, our one and only source of enjoyment. We ask in Jesus' precious and holy. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, and the things of this earth will look strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like a copy of this message, call us at 208-331-4096 or learn more about our ministry at breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.